When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello! I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. The show where we help you through the midlife, the menopause, motherhood, and everything in between. This week, we're going to be challenging ourselves to step out of our comfort zones, discussing why now is the perfect time to be more adventurous in life. Yes, and we have a very special guest today who has done just that. We have broadcaster and journalist Kate Garraway, who flew the flag for midlife women in the celebrity jungle last year. We love that programme as a family. We watch it every year. We interviewed Kate for this podcast live at last week's Life Lessons Festival. And you can hear what she has to say about resetting her life at 52 in just a little while. We're also going to be tackling the parenting horror that is sibling rivalry, (laughs) sharing our own experiences as well as some expert tips on how to manage uh, the situation. First, though, we're going to have a chat about morning routines. We're quite obsessed. How do you begin your day, Trish? Well, I'm quite an early riser because I I like to potter in the morning. Oh, I can imagine you pottering. (laughs) I like to kind of have the time to do a few little chores, get the kids up um, and just sort of get my my mind in in gear uh, before I leave the house. Do you look at your phone when you first wake up? No, I'm actually, no, I'm quite good at that. No, I do see. Yeah, you see, I I bet you're a look at your phone. FOMO. Everything in a rush, getting out the door, super efficient. Is that right? No, oh, I, did, okay. I well, I used to be like that. I used to. I look back now and think I must have been incredibly irritating for everybody because all my energy really? is in the morning. <laughs> By half past eight at night, I've obviously got to go to bed. But all the energy is in the morning. I used to leap up, run around. But uh, fifteen years of having children, sort of, because you don't actually have any sleep at the night, <laughs> took that out of me. But I do now. I have learnt to get up a little bit earlier to have some time on my own. Have a massive glass of water. Get that out of the way at the beginning of the day. Think about what I'm going to have for breakfast and then I have time to engage with them mm. uh, at the kitchen table rather than just They're not very communicative though, really, are they? Let's face it, no. first thing, they're a bit... No. Basically, I just hug the little one because she's still giving yeah. me the love in the morning. That's she still wakes nice. up joyous and jolly. Nip into her bedroom, give her a big old cuddle, wake her up, she's really pleased to see me. Go into the 16-year-old, not so pleased to see me, doesn't want to be woken up. <laughs> bit rude to me sometimes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we did a really great feature last year in style about very successful women and how they started their day. And, you know, it's kind of true. They really do start very early mm. and they're really on it. Danny Cotton, who was commissioner of the London Fire Brigade, would get up at 4.30, feed the cats. She herself would be fed and watered and out the door by 5.15am and straight in to work. It's extraordinary, mm, isn't it? Mm. I think it does set you up for the day, but mm. I think some people find it, they're not larks, they're owls. Yeah, but I, I think I, I'm definitely a lark, but I think the thing for me about the sort of pottering is the sort of getting getting my head together, being able to kind of think about what's coming up in the day, and also a sort of an element of control. And actually, before I had kids... There we are, I used, yeah, Trish. I used to do this really weird thing. When I think about it now, it's like, what was I thinking? I used to go around the house and make sure every room looked perfect. <laughs> so I'd oh go into goodness. each room, I'd plump the pillows on the sofa... <laughs> 
I mean, can yes. you even imagine doing that? Now? I, I, I mean, insane. can kind of see you, you doing, doing it, it but not <laughs> now. But, with but the kids I would and also the dog and the cat. probably have stopped you had I been there. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Life might be too short. <laughs> Life is too short. And then, can I tell you one more part of my little routine? Go on. Is that commuting? As we know, commuting in London is pretty hideous it has to say it's so hideous and I do this little I give myself a mental pat on the back when I've made it through my journey and I sort of say to myself well done Trish you did that well done (laughs) give myself Coming out of the the force is strong with this one, isn't it? it? I know, I know. (laughs) I think you have to just kind of tell yourself to be really jolly happy in Mm. the mornings as well, because it's quite tiring. With we, Mm. I have to get four children out of the door. We used to do three school runs, one of which was so tightly timed, I ended up running up a hill with a massive buggy, (laughs) (laughs) which we don't have to do anymore, thank God. So anyone out there in the middle of the early childhood, early school years, it does get easier. So, it's time to hear our interview with Kate Garraway. So, welcome, Kate. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. (laughs) I guess we should start by asking you about your midlife journey and about this idea of being courageous and adventurous and finding a new spirit in your life. How, how has that happened for you? Well, I had children relatively late, 38 with Darcy and 42 with Billy. I know it's more usual now, but relatively late in the sort of history of childbirth. So I think when I was 42 and 43, when you've got a, you're breastfeeding a baby on your lap, you have a sort of delayed sense of where you are in midlife. So when I got to 48 and 49, my husband thinks I'm barely midlife now. He thinks I'm limboing under the line because I'm coming out the top. But I still <laughs> think I thought I was a 20-year-old, really. And then I approached a sort of 48, 49, and suddenly you see that number 50 charging at you and you think, oh, my goodness, that really feels like a halfway point. And then you think, actually... That would be a halfway point if I was incredibly lucky. It's probably over the edge. And you know people who have, you know, dealing with all sorts of life-threatening issues like breast cancer, some of them fighting them brilliantly and coming out the other side with great stories, other than not. And so suddenly your brain is focused to maybe it's kind of downhill from here. And I thought, gosh, that is quite depressing. Am I sort of charging towards the negative aspects of old age. Sometimes I think old age we revere as this wonderful kind of sunny uplands where we've achieved everything we want to do. (laughs) And, you know, we're just running around and we think, well, actually, if I don't take steps now, then I'm not going to have those sunny uplands. So then I turned 50 and thought, well, downhill from here should be great because downhill doesn't have to be bad. It could be a gentle glide to wonderfulness, couldn't it? So I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do some of the good things that I've learned, um, taking care of myself, reviewing things. And then, of course, life is crazy. You suddenly find yourself with a teenager. Yes, it's busy. You, exactly. And if you want to have more excitement in your life, then you're actually taking on more things. And you think, well, goodness me, I just want to be comfy. I found myself thinking all the time. There was a brilliant thing that was running around on Instagram, various social medias that made me laugh and think that's sort of where I was pre-jungle, which is um, they used to say 30 was a new 20 and 40 was a new 30 and 50 is a new 
35, or all of these numbers, all I know is, for me, midnight is, is now 9pm. Yes. And that is, that is basically what you want, isn't it? Your sole goal is, how can I have as comfortable time as possible in being at bed as early as possible? In my pyjamas. So I can start in my comfiest yes. pyjamas. Start over again. And then I had been lucky enough to be approached by the team at ITV that make I'm a Celebrity and thought, why would anybody want to do that? But didn't, what, your, didn't your daughter say to you? It was my daughter. Yeah, so I, stop, I've stop always been so comfy. <laughs> for years and years and years, um, why would you want to do that? You'd be hungry. You wouldn't be allowed to wear any makeup. I mean, imagine anything more horrific. You couldn't have a blow dry. Um, you have to do really horrific things that are very, very frightening. And she said, oh, you should do that because, you know, mum, you're fundamentally very boring. Like, no. <laughs> See what I mean about teenagers? Yeah, I was like... Building your self-esteem day by day. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. That shifted because I think the other thing that you think about when you're a mum and when you're being a responsible adult is, I can't leave my family, I can't leave my children. And suddenly I thought, actually, they would like me to do that. And I think that is... (laughs) They would like me to leave them. But also I think you suddenly realise that you're a different kind of mother in midlife. You're a mother that they actually perhaps don't need minute-by-minute pureeing of food like they did when they were toddlers. They actually need a different sort of relationship with their parents. How did you feel about, while you were there, all the challenging bits? Were you kind of taking that on board and thinking, I'm going to take this feeling home and I'm going to keep it with me? Um, I am not a brave person and I don't see the need to do things that inspire adrenaline. Why does anybody want to jump out of a plane? I don't understand it. Why does anybody want to be scared? Life is terrifying. Or wear Life a bikini. Life is really on terrifying. Telly. I don't think I'd ever wear a bikini on. <laughs> well, that was probably the scariest thing of all. Like the most for everybody. Throw me out of an aeroplane, but don't make me wear a bikini on live telly. Exactly. One of the things I'd always spouted is the great thing about being older is you don't have to do stupid things. You can wear control underwear and feel comfortable about it. Why? You know, you don't have to worry about having the perfect six pack. And why would you basically want to be in a bikini on television? But what I found in there is a very strange thing, that actually I realised that I've been seeking the easiest possible option in life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think doing stupid things is is not being a teenager. And don't purposely try new things. But if you only seek comfort, then actually what you're beginning to lose is the thrill that you had in your 20s of the world opening up. What was the most terrifying thing? Because you, you seem to do quite a lot of terrifying things, I thought, on the show. I do think that the walking out on the plank was terrifying. I mean, it was a very windy day. Ant and Deck were visibly disturbed by the wind. And, and everything in your body says, don't walk out, climb down ladder and walk out. So I felt very shocked by that, but also elated. And then incrementally, everything they encourage you to do is challenging yourself. Dealing with a lack of food is challenging with us. Dealing with not knowing anybody before you go in is difficult. And having to form a community with strangers is difficult. And I think I came out thinking that actually shaking yourself up, taking away everything like phones, contact with people that you've grown to trust Mm. as you built up over the years and having to form new relationships. And then the challenge, of course, has been keep doing that in real life and have your children been proud of you have they been impressed do they think they call you brave mum there's a there's a there's a that brilliant mixture of 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 um 
of horror and pride. Must be quite embarrassing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my my daughter said, "Oh, when you swam to the shore so slowly, that was the worst day of school, because I had to go to school and everyone was saying your mum's rubbish at swimming." And I said, "But can you not remember all the other good things, please?" So she did write me a very sweet note afterwards, where she said I was her hero oh, in everything other than kind. Um, my dress sense. Which oh, I think is exactly wow. really what a teenager yes. should say, isn't it? Because they have to be completely appalled. But yes, I think they, I think they are a little bit. I think they are maybe a little bit prouder. Certainly, watching it as we were all watching it, um, women of our age, you were a bit of you. You became a hero for us. You were a pinup midlife woman. Well, especially yes, when Miles was talking about how hot you were and how sexy you were. Oh, well, that was marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> but I think women lose that if a bit in midlife. You become slightly invisible, and yeah. men don't look at you in the same way. And you still think you're seventeen. You can't quite work out why no one's flirting with you anymore. It's bizarre. So, but you you were really kind of flying the flag. There, there, lots of discussions around it. Um, while you were in there how do you feel about that do you think did your age feel part of it for you particularly around the I think there was a really interesting moment when Miles said well Miles was all the time saying I fancy Kate come here KG and all this stuff I thought oh bless him he's so charming and it's like it's his charity work (laughs) (laughs) making older women feel good and then nothing wrong with that (laughs) there was an extraordinary yes exactly it's a very Lord of War charity work and then there was a very interesting moment in the camp, when he said, I've been out with people Kate's age and older. And everybody, particularly people I remember, were like, what? What? He's like, yeah, why wouldn't you? And we were like, I was like, would you really? I was very excited at this point. <laughs> um, would you really? And uh, and my husband's here, by the way, just in case you think I'm <laughs> revealing something too much. And, um, uh, and he said, yeah, why not? He said, because young men have youth. So why do you think that's what they care about? That's what older women prize oh, because they fear they've lost it. What we care about is sex appeal, interesting conversations, you know, and the way the woman moves and the confidence they have. I'm not sure I've got any of those things either, by the way, but that's a worry. But that's what we're interested in. It said older women think that young men are interested in youth because very often their experiences, older men talk about young women a lot. Oh, that makes sense. And actually, we yeah. don't care about it anywhere near as much as you think we do. That's so I know. thought well, that I never was knew just that. brilliant never knew that. news. But to be honest, <laughs> as did a lot of other people <laughs> in camp too. Trish will be updating her Tinder profile later on. Changing the age setting of the men she wants to meet. So, so you, Trish, though, in terms of having that adventure, you were telling me, um, and we often talk about it on, on the podcast that you've started doing new things. New strange things. Um, yes, because you're quite controlled yeah. as a person. Well, I'm, very, I'm a very organised, very controlled. I think we get to a point in life where we, we have a story about, about ourselves that we tell. We have a narrative and that is who we are. Mm. And that is what we believe and that's what we think and that's what we try and portray, portray to people. And I thought, I want to do something that, that disrupts that and mm. isn't about that. And I've got one of these husbands who's incredibly good. At, he flies, he sails, he can navigate, he can do all of those things. And Brave I just... Neil. <laughs> and I just like useless, useless, all of that. Or that is the story that I've told myself. So I thought, right, I'm going to kind of go out there and see if I can do this. So I'm, I'm learning to sail, and I can use a compass. Yeah. All these years, <laughs> that's not very glamorous. I think that's but, you know. really interesting, though, isn't it? Because you're absolutely right. 
that's what I think I mean about seeking comfort, that we tell ourselves we are that sort of person because we've done things that we didn't like very much. And so we seek a course down a route and that becomes who we are. And actually it doesn't have to be, does it? Like even though I'm a scared person and I did these things, even though I was often last, usually last, I actually did lots more than I ever thought I would and lots more than anybody around me thought I would. And then you start thinking, well, actually then I can do these things, mm. can't I? And then you, then life suddenly becomes a, more of a choice and less of a closing down. And new things come to you that you can then do. And I think that's the challenge mm. of midlife, isn't it? To, to reset your life in a direction that you want rather than just feel like you're in an ever-disappearing circle, really. Yeah. And how has your midlife journey been anyway? A lot of the um, women that have contacted us and women we've had on the podcast have talked about everything changing around the age of 45, both physically, but more importantly, emotionally. Mm. Um, how, has, how has it been for you generally? <laughs> <laughs> dreadful I'm a <laughs> no I mean I, there is a phrase isn't there 45 and on the slide and physically yes. <laughs> things do go down yeah that's a bit don't they from 45 is onwards I don't know maybe it's not depressing I don't like the middle bit but no I think you do I think what we all maybe are guilty of and we women have to try and look at that is the first effects of of, of getting older are physical to us we look in the mirror and think oh my God, look at those wrinkles, look at this, look at the state of this. And so therefore we start addressing the outward appearance yeah. as a first step. So we start thinking about trying to look younger rather than thinking about how to feel better at this age. And if you start thinking all the time about how to trying to look younger and get back the things from that time, then I don't think you really move forward. So I think it's a question of thinking about what's going to make me feel better. If you're a woman maybe thinking about doing something different um, or making a big change or going through a different... What advice would you give, having been through this journey in the last year? What would you look back and think, oh, maybe I should have thought of that before I went into the jungle or maybe... (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, there is the, there is the kind of urge to just gosh, rip the plaster everything. off. <laughs> yeah, rip the plaster off. So I was lucky that the jungle was a big jolt, but I think that you can get that by taking some of the things that I felt I learned. I definitely felt like having a strong community around you and thinking about what makes you happy in terms of the people around you is very important. So looking at who you already have in your life. Looking at, looking at well... I, I or, or trying to remember what you love about it. I mean, one of the things about being away from me is I did find that I realised I actually still quite like my husband. Which Aww. beforehand, if you'd heard us, you might have been because you get into a routine, weren't you? Where where actually you're you're doing the business of life and you're forgetting why you love the friends you have and why you love the people around you. So remembering to to connect with them, I think, is really important and to make time for that. I think as well, taking time to make your yourself feel good is going to make your life work better uh, in lots of different ways Um, and I do think challenging yourself is really key I think Mm. that going forward and challenging yourself in lots of different ways is really key because what that does is help you to adjust what your happiness dial is and where that is finding your joy really um, is something that I think that you that you really have to take notice of in a way that in your 20s it's sort of coming at you 
anyway. So I think you have to take notice of finding your joy, taking space to and thinking about things. It's a good time to do a bit of a check-in with yourself, isn't it, midlife? And has it made you, do you think, a better parent? Because you've got teenage, you're 13, so you've got teenage coming yeah. at you. Do you think it made you, Kate's written a piece for us um, in the magazine, but you talk about taking that moments to sit with your kids, which you probably didn't do before? I think what it is, is trying to stop the to-do list playing in your head when you're having moments, whether it be with your husbands or your friends or even one of the people on your to-do list. And so, you know, we get very, we, we have to really sort of plan our days don't we so my son is obsessed um with star wars and you know we'll literally talk for days about different sith lords literally i've no i can do talk about it's like it's talking man love star wars. um do you love it love oh it. you love can it. pop home yes yeah, yeah. you'd be yeah. great <laughs> very helpful um, but that's what's important to him so it's thinking ah, oh, rather than doing that thing we all do we go we all do it And there is an element of going, how was school? How are you? Thinking this is his moment. I'm just going to pause the to-do list for a minute. And I've actually started uh, on occasion putting an alarm in my phone and think I haven't really got an hour and a half, but I probably have got 10 minutes. And I'm going to put an alarm in my phone, which sounds like a phone call, and say, well, no, let's talk about this. I'll I'll do it for 15 minutes. And so I'll sit and not think about anything else other than him for that 15 minutes and then put the alarm on and say, Bill, I'm go- I am going to have to just take this call. And you, I generally find that he, by that point, is coming out of the need to speak. And he's got it all off his chest. He's got a he's lot got of your it off attention. his chest and we've had a little chat and then he gets it. Mm. Rather than doing perhaps what I was doing before, which is like, oh God, I definitely want to do that, but I'm just going to put the chips on and I'm just going to yeah. do this and I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to send this email. And then I can go back and do those other things. Uh, I mean, I you I like to do it before and it's not also not feeling guilty if it's not possible. Not feeling yeah, guilty. you can't be everything if he's doing to everybody. The other way, yeah, with yeah. children and parenting and trying to work that out, yeah. And one of the things you've done now, you've come back, settled into um, life, yeah. is you've set up something called Club Garraway, haven't you? Tell us about yes. that. Well, I guess what came out of it was um, and you saying about sort of a different kind of attention, maybe when you come out, um, that a lot of people are coming to me and saying lovely things like you said and uh, about, oh God, I felt like you were flying the flag for our age group and thought, well, actually, one of the things I loved about being in the camp is you did form a community of people that were talking about the same thing. There it was, when is food coming? (laughs) But it might also be about things that are interesting people who do want to reset their life. So I just thought a good way to do it was to have have a free free club called clubgarrow.com and some of the things that I'm going to be doing over the next year in terms of seeking out new resources to help me could be shared uh, and people could have access to go on them and and do them as well and take part in it but also hear from other people more about Mm. what they've learned. Um, I feel that I am quite ignorant actually about the menopause because I haven't got some of the obvious symptoms that for years people have told you to look out for like all hot sweats and stuff now you hear the words don't you yeah but actually I don't think you're particularly aware of it so I'm interested because I'm now talking to people about um, some of the things you can do when you haven't got obvious symptoms that make you healthier but I don't want to make it all about the menopause because I think that's a negative thing I think there's well 
It's a tiny part. It's of a this tiny journey. part of midlife, our time of life. Shouldn't be a negative thing, but I think it feels like one of the things we don't want to have when we're midlife. No. Um, and actually, I think there are so many incredible things that we get by being in midlife. Yeah. And uh, actually, we should have more help to deal with the negative things. And so I think we can educate ourselves. It on kind that. of feels like sometimes to me, and we've talked about this, Trish, that it's there is something wrong with women. They've got the menopause. <laughs> It's a like condition. A terrible condition that we've got. But actually, yeah. it's a very small part of that kind of yeah. 20, up to but 20 years. It can really journey. dominate your life if it does, yes. if you don't understand it, if you're not getting, if you need help and you're not getting help for it. Exactly. And also, yeah. we are a huge bunch of lab rats, our generation, because, you know, for the millennia, most women have not lived along to go yeah. through the menopause. Yes. So we are learning aren't we, how to deal with it and to live through it and live longer in a way that um, previous generations have never had the luxury of doing. So what, what next for you? What's your next big giant adventure? What are you going to jump My out next of? Big next big giant adventure. <laughs> well, the boss of ITV asked me if I fancied dancing on ice. <gasps> so I don't know about that because I feel like... break every bone in your body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh dancing God. on ice in midlife is quite challenging. I've got a few coming up professionally this year, which I can't really talk about. Um, and I've certainly got some personal ones. But I think my big campaign is clubgaraway.com. And my big call is one of the things I was mocked about in the jungle is asking lots of questions. Um, and uh, uh, Your and actual job. Doing my job in a way, <laughs> although maybe my job comes out of, of my personality in liking to ask lots of questions. And I think one of the things we lose as we get older is the natural curiosity of youth. Yes. And we've, we, we need to really unleash that on the world. Because I think the curiosity of midlife will actually cure a lot of what is wrong. And I think one of the first things that goes when people feel mentally unwell is their lack of interest in curiosity. They go in and in and on themselves. So I think having more curiosity about ourselves, more curiosity about the world around us. And I've got lots of ideas of, of how we can do that as women in midlife. Brilliant. Well, we've run out of time. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming. Thank, thank you. For thank you, too. And thank Brilliant you what so you're doing, much. I think. You've been really inspiring. Really well, you are. And I think what you're doing is, because I think we have been ignored by society for a long time in life. And very often Hello. what women say is, I've often thought for years there are wonderful campaigns for all sorts of things, thank goodness, like mental health and look campaigns for the elderly. But there is no campaign for midlife. And I think what you're doing is great. But very often we blame society, don't we? And actually, I think what we should be doing and what you're doing is the whole Mahatma Gandhi thing where you say, be the change you want to see and you're yeah. doing it right now and so all of you. Well, thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a fun afternoon, wasn't it, Trish? It was so nice meeting people who've become fans of Postcards from Midlife because we, have, we, we haven't seen anyone in real life, so that was really lovely. Yeah, but we've had lots of lovely, lovely comments. Yes, should, we have. Should we read some of them out? Yeah, do you know what? I had a, I, this one really, really made me laugh. This was um, by a man. 
Oh, he said he absolutely loved it. A female podcast which men can't resist listening to. Rob B.W. left that message. Husbands and boyfriends, he said, do yourselves a favour and recommend this to your wives, girlfriends and your daughters. And I, I'm liking this one. Um, very short and succinct from somebody called Mandy Ann Patrick. Says, the podcast I've been waiting for all my midlife. Absolutely love it. How nice. Yes, and we did have um, some questions on the website as well. We have a postcards from Midlife website where you can leave comments and questions. We've got uh, Jacqueline Immins, or Blondie Jacks, as she's called, saying, loving this podcast, informative and funny at the same time. Menopause is really confusing in terms of information and suddenly highlighted my age when I never felt old before and I'm 50. Very, very uplifting. Made my day reading those. Now... The other thing we wanted to talk about today is sibling rivalry, which is not joyous in any way. Um, We find it quite hard in our family because there's four of them and three girls and a boy. So there's an almost constant, am I your favourite between? Mm -hmm. And there are many, many fractious, fiery moments that we all get drawn into. There was a figure, wasn't there, Trish, that um, siblings under seven can have three to seven arguments every hour. I and think it's pretty much the same with teenagers. Hour. I mean, can you imagine? It is exhausting, isn't it? It is, it is quite exhausting. It's heartbreaking because you want to love them all the same. You do love them all the same, but you want you can't possibly give them all the same attention. It's safe, well, they're all different, aren't yeah, they? They, d- they have different needs. They're, they're all different. So having twins, obviously, has been interesting sort of observing them because, I, you know, everyone's like, oh, do they get on really well because they're you? twins? Yeah, I'm like, no, they absolutely <laughs> want to kill each other half the time. But I remember, I was thinking about this, I remember the very first moment of this sibling rivalry coming to life and they were probably about one and we were actually on holiday in France and we had one of these little fold-up um, buggies that you you know you kind of travel with well, and the ones that trap your fingers trap unexpectedly your fingers. make yeah, you swear exactly. out loud and we were just pushing you know down a street in Bordeaux or somewhere really nice Lovely. and uh, my daughter literally leant across grabbed her brother's <laughs> little chubby arm and took a massive chunk out yeah. of it <laughs> <laughs> and we were so stunned. We were so stunned. And it was like, that was that was the moment. Shocking, it isn't began. it, when you see that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. With so. four, do you, can there be three-way squabbles? Can there be four-way squabbles? There or is can. it usually two, one-on-one? No, there can, there can be three-way. It, that often involves a remote control, the TV. Okay. Somebody's changed. The, yeah. What I find is the argument's probably not about whatever the argument's about. It's probably about something a bit deeper or something else that has happened. Kind of delving into the psychology of it a bit, I mean, I think all the experts say it's just inevitable. It's about getting attention and exerting power, but it's also part of a kind of developmental and social learning, apparently. So it's on-the-job training to how to kind of live and work with other people and how to to annoy live and work with annoying people. It's interesting, the rivalry, it sparks such intense emotions, rage and jealousy and resentment. Sometimes violence. And physical violence. And I suppose they do have to, it's a very kind of, you know, hothouse way of dealing with all of that, isn't it? There's a really um, good psychologist or therapist, family therapist called uh, Jean-Claude Chalmé, who's got a great website. Um, I think it's called um, How to Be a Better Parent, if you just Google it. And he makes the really good point which we hadn't taken into account because there are four of them but often when you argue you label one this one's the noisy one this one's the and that's a really dangerous and emotionally tricky thing to do with a child because then they behave to the label they act up to the label so you should you should absolutely should never do that and then the child that sits back 
he says, and I've listened to him on a couple of podcasts and doesn't say anything, perhaps isn't involved, is perhaps the one that actually needs a lot more attention mm. than the child that's learnt to get negative attention, all attention being attention. Um, and you might need to work out how much time you spend with that child compared to the other child. You have to take it bit by bit. You have to be incredibly diplomatic, I think. Mm. Oh, it's like a peacekeeping mission, isn't it? It the is. Do you find, Trish, I find um, my husband is very non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really like arguing at all. He's particularly doesn't like noise or loudness. God knows why he married me. So he will feel very uncomfortable and try to solve every every situation to its best ability. I will try to let them play well, it they out need between to, they them. They do need to do that, I think. I think they need to play it out between them because they need to learn to resolve the conflict themselves. And, you know, to your point about the different needs of each child, a website that I was looking at called Positive Parenting Solutions, they recommend giving trying to give each child... 10 to 15 minutes a day of positive parental attention. So doing something that they want to do or watching a TV programme, but it's stuff that is their agenda, stuff that they would like to do with you. But I was working out for you, that's like at least an hour of your day. It's quite time consuming. Yeah. 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 You just have to look for pockets. So if one of them, I like to wait for one of them to wander off somewhere and then I will try and move in and spend some time Mm. if they're separate from Mm. the other ones. Often sometimes you're just chatting to the youngest one in the toilet for a bit because... You know, they're in there a lot more than the other ones. <laughs> There's a really lovely phrase. You're not dividing your love, you're multiplying it oh, across your children. So which nice, I always think I'm it? not dividing it so that you each have equal yeah. time. I'm I'm adding more and more for you. Yeah, and I think it is about them being afraid that your love's going to be taken away from them yes. and given to given to the other child, which is Obviously, I've got siblings. I've got a sister who's yes. a year older than me. We did a lot of fighting. We did a lot of fighting Normal. when we were when we were growing up. But the, interestingly, she has an only child, so she ah. doesn't have. And seeing her experience of parenting, where there, there's no rows and there's no squabbles because it's just quieter. It's just the you know my lovely niece. So she's had a very different parenting experience of it to, to kind of what I have had. Sometimes I hide out of each other. Oh, hi! I from, hear it kick off, oh and I go into the bathroom and I just quietly lock the door <laughs> they'll come they'll find me and say come downstairs and tell him off tell her off <laughs> tell him off and I always say well I haven't witnessed it I haven't seen it if this was a court of law I would not oh. be able to tell him off because I've not been able to it's usually him mm. tell him off it's quite difficult not to get drawn into it mm. um, we take them out separately to keep just to keep the peace keep the peace keep in the, the house peace. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Now, Trish, something that has uh, changed our lives recently is something we did together, Trish, mm. isn't it? Was our uh, appearance on live radio. Mm. I mean, who would want us on live radio? <laughs> well, Chris Evans did. Yes. On his Virgin <laughs> Breakfast show. So it's so funny because when you think back to TGI Fridays mm. that he used to present, I think I was in the audience once on that through one of my journalism jobs. But I kind of expected him to be exactly like that. And then I realised when I walked in the room that we've all grown up and we're mm. all in our 50s and we're yeah. all much, much older and He's more mature. He's very philosophical these days, isn't he? He's very sort of yeah. positive mindset. He's meditative. He's doing all those kind of things. He's running two hours a day. He's doing a marathon, I think, isn't he? He's done. Yeah. He's doing loads of them. There was something about Chris that you loved. Well, there, Trish. exactly. I could see you I, quizzing only, him. It was only at the end when we got up to leave, touching a famous person. <laughs> we had we had a photo taken with him for the old social media, as you do. <laughs> and I was quite surprised. He popped out from behind the recording desk, and he was wearing those, you know, those kind of foot glove Barefoot things. Runners. Is that what they're called? I think they are. I could yeah. see it with his toes, you know, little individual things. <laughs> yeah. Looked quite strange with his outfit. He did. I was he did just thinking about the putting on on and taking off of them. Oh, fiddly. Oh, it's like a wetsuit. Exactly, quite fiddly. Anyway, wasn't wasn't expecting that, (laughs) for sure. But no, it was really fun. So tell me a bit about your nostalgia noodling this week. Well, I was watching an episode of Cold Feet, still a fan, and there was a scene in which... um, they were pulling out some old clothes or something and they mentioned CNA. They'd found a jumper from CNA. Do you remember CNA? Oh, man at CNA. Man at CNA. (laughs) Well, I had a Saturday job. Man at CNA was your Saturday job. It wasn't. It was the women's women's changing rooms I was on. But yeah, I used to have a Saturday job at CNA and and I had to wear a very strange sort of (laughs) tabard. Actually, you know what? It wasn't a tabard. It was a... Bolero, bolero, like, you know those <laughs> bolero, funny little, little knitted, thing. Waistcoat thing. sort of nylon. <laughs> I, I just think. think of Torval and Dean when you say bolero. Oh, That's anyway, my nostalgia, noodling. CNA. Oh, those so are the days. I've got a very uh, melancholy, poignant nostalgia oh. noodling. I was doing some tidying up, as you do over weekend, especially when there's stormy weather on, and I found a rolled up T-shirt in one of the um, suitcases where we put things that we got nowhere else to put. And I unraveled it and it made me cry because it was the T-shirt. It was a Rip Curl Surf T-shirt. It's enormous. I thought, why have I got an extra large man's size T-shirt? How ridiculous. It was the T-shirt I was wearing when I was in labour with my first child. So 18, nearly Mm. 18 years ago. And I had, do you know that thing where they say, stay at home until you're in so much pain you think you're going to die. Don't come anywhere near us. I was in that stage for about seemed like 400 hours um, for, for a couple of overnight, basically, mm. all afternoon, overnight, and all mm. the next sort of morning. And I must have kept that T-shirt because it was such a oh. sort of nostalgic, poignant yeah. memory. Yeah. Oh, not, are you going ca- to still keep it? I go frames, Trish, put it on the wall, <laughs> have her put it up in Give her bed her for a yes. 21st birthday. This before you <laughs> came out of me. Yes. <laughs> so what I've been trying this week, actually, I try, I try it every week because I have a weekly delivery of the, you know, those sort of organic veg boxes. And I, I'm going to have to name check this one. Which I don't is, know what she's uh, talking about. <laughs> Imagine having vegetables in a box. Oh, I love them. Riverford Organic Farmers. And the thing that I love about this is you get a little newsletter from the guy who um, runs the business called Guy Sing Watson. And he's just so insightful and thoughtful. Writes you little stories and little kind of bits of news um, about that really kind of connects you to Mm. the food that you're buying and the farming industry and food production industry as a whole. So you kind of learn something. You feel really connected to this butternut squash that you've just bought. And in fact, he's just been... You've named it, adopted it, Oh my God, it's just so glamorous. But he was just talking about his 
his 19th century cattle barn and storing butternut squash. Oh. Imagine getting excited about that, but, but I do. It's, well, you oh, are I a look, thoughtful person, I look Trish. forward to it every week. It's so sweet. I've got a recipe for cauliflower kimchi on the, on the back of my... <laughs> you know we can <laughs> stick that. <laughs> it's fermented. You cauliflower should bloody like kimchi. it. You should oh like it. Oh, my God. Thank you very much for listening to Postcards from Midlife today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review it. We're really keen to get women sharing this important topic and life stage. So we'd love you to help us do that. Well, we can't wait to talk to you all again next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.